There was a flash of light and a feeling of weightlessness. The jungle we had trekked through for the last three hours was replaced by a landscape not of this earth. A sonic boom overhead indicated that the atmosphere had been breached, and we watched as a giant spacecraft sailed overhead. As we stared, a lone man with a jetpack flew towards the invaders. Our subject, Adam Strange, had arrived. Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. So we're going to cover a character that I have literally no experience with other Same. than the 52 series. That's true. I, I did forget that he was part of that. But that was like my first encountering of Adam Strange was the 52 series years and years and years ago. And I'm like, okay, um, well, he's hanging out around in 1958. So that's about two years before the JLA books are happening and well into the Silver Age when you get guys like Flash and Green Lantern that are happening, which is the new wave of heroes that are no longer those holdovers from the Golden Age that are now somehow silver. So you've got the reboots of those characters. You've got Aquaman and the like. And Adam Strange, the best way to describe him is kind of like a Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon type character. It is not a superhero book by any stretch of the imagination. It is a science fiction adventure book, which really places it in a weird realm for us because this is probably the first ever non-superhero DC-owned DC Universe existing character because he hmm. has no code name. Well, and he is not fighting crime he's just fighting things certainly the first that we've covered uh but yeah first that we covered that i'm not saying like we're yeah uh yeah uh because there are other characters like tomahawk uh who wind up getting incorporated into right. uh the dc universe uh later on uh adam strange right now feels extremely distinct it, he he doesn't move in the same orbits as uh, the other DC heroes. Right, yeah. And, you know, Congo Bill and guys like that are mm -hmm. going to be similar. But for us, for our purposes and what we have available to us, this is this is going to be probably the most different but similar sounding book. It's mm -hmm. going to sound a lot like Green Lantern in just the scope of things dealt with. I guess, yeah, in More, terms of like... Or Hawkman terms, kind of a thing. In terms of story elements, I'll absolutely agree with yeah, that. Yeah, it's going to feel a lot like that. Um, so the creator is Gardner Fox because he can't not be doing things at this time. Because at the same time, remember, he's doing, I think, Hawkman at the same time as this. Hawkman, yep. So he we, he's doing Hawkman and Adam Strange at the same time. And then in two years, he'll be doing JLA. So he'll be doing, at this point... For those of you playing at home, three books. So I, I almost, I would be really curious to know more about the editor-writer relationship because this is a Julius Schwartz comic. Uh, he is editing for this. And I'm really curious to know whether he, he is like hands-on uh, yeah. with the writing. Because I'll say this off the bat. This is not as good as Hawkman. Oh, no, absolutely. And it's really interesting to see that the same guy who's writing Hawkman at the same time is producing something that is not as good in a very distinct fashion. Same thing with JLA. His JLA is really great too. Compared to this, this is probably the weakest of the books that he's doing. Mm -hmm. 
So we've got Gardner Fox with a lot of varying anchors, Mike Sikowski, and then you're going to get Carmine Infantino a little bit later in the series and will continue to be Carmine Infantino for a while. Um, yeah. So we to give some context on that reminder that Carmine Infantino did all the really great Flash stuff. Right. And, I mean, not to spoil, but I did not feel stirred by his art. I no. Mean, not terrible, but stiff, uh, not expressive, not very interesting paneling either. So, uh. so for reference too, Infantino's doing this at the same time he's doing Flash. God, it is the exact same time, isn't it? So Fox is writing Hawkman at the same time he's writing this. Infantino is drawing Flash at the same time he's drawing this. And I'm wondering if just it's the difference in the writing and the editorial. Or, you know, Infantino was getting better on the Flash as he was doing Adam Strange. I don't know. It's... The world may never know. Um, <laughs> but regardless, we're going to start... Yes, thank you, Joanne. So, we're going to start, as with all things in the Silver Age, because no one knew how any of this was going to turn out, with Showcase... Because that is where yeah. everything started and everything was born. Because they were just like, hey, is this going to be okay? Are we going to like this stuff? Do you guys want more? So, showcase number 17, November, December, number, uh, yeah, number 17, 1958. Um, Adam Strange is an archaeologist. For reasons. Um, doesn't do a whole lot of archaeology in this entire series, but we're going to talk about that later. Um, he's an archaeologist who is in the jungle doing archaeologist things. When he is teleported fantastically, what is it, 25 billion miles away? Uh, I want to say that's right. It's either 25 billion or 25 trillion. Um, 25 trillion okay. miles. Um, so he's, he's teleported 25 trillion miles from the jungle that he's in to a foreign planet that he does not un understand and know, where he's assaulted by crazy alien animals and is rescued by a young woman known as Alana. Alana does not speak English. She takes him back to her father Sardath's laboratory and they give Adam a, like a little headpiece that helps him translate what they're speaking and they inform him that he is on the planet Ran in the city Ranagar. Kind of like Thanagar. Yeah. Thanks Gardner Fox for yeah. trying your least amount the minimal amount of effort in your creativity you son of a bitch god it was i was so mad when i read that i was like really at the same time you're writing another book that has the exact same planet name oh god i didn't even put it together that it was this that ranagar he was writing. thanagar I, I put together like thanagar ranagar it's like oh, okay yeah but i, I forgot that it's that was the exact his same too. writer i forgot it was his it's oh, the, I hate everything. Yeah, right? It's the exact same writer, and he was just like, eh, fucking Ranagar. Yeah, that works. I'm just going to take the th out of stuff, and it's fine. Take the th out of it. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, Is great. that a British thing? It might be, if you're Cockney. And uh, so, yeah, he's on Ranagar, or in the city of Ranagar, which is the, I guess, I will say capital of Ran, R-A-N-N. Um, I used to always spell it as R double A N, but it is R A double N. So Ran is just this planet that is similar to Earth, not really because their technological advancement is still very much further than Earth's. However, this is the second time they've gotten to this point because they explained to Adam Strange that previously, uh, like a thousand years ago, they had uh, the utter you know nightmare scenario of a nuclear war. Everything gets devastated. And everything reverts back to barbaric civilization. And then at this point, we have now 
ran as we know it, which is not as technologically advanced as it was prior to the devastation of the nuclear war, but it is still far more advanced than Earth. However, this is not explicitly stated, but just for those playing along at home, Rand still has pockets of primitive civilization on it, which is the weirdest thing to me. That there is like barbarian slash like weirdly like Mongol centric strange civilizations that are just running around on this planet that has like flying speeders and stuff. They basically Gardner Fox basically uses the idea of, oh, there's there was this nuclear war and we're recovering from that uh, as an excuse for story hooks. Right. And for. Almost a little bit like Hyborian. Yeah. There's just weird shit that is kind of recognizable, and we're just going to throw it in. It's very much, as Jay and Miles say, like an an age undreamed of kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. Like just mildly Eurasian-centric cultures that have like furs and like Fu Manchus for no reason. And there's one specific bit I'm going to call out about that, because I found this fascinating and kind of horrifying. Uh... So we mentioned that uh, Adam Strange is an archaeologist uh, in the Indiana Jones variety. Yeah, it, an action an action archaeologist. Honestly, an actionologist. An actionologist, yeah. Uh, and like when he initially gets teleported, he is in an Incan. Te- I think Incan temple. I think Incan. I, I'm pretty sure Incan because I remember thinking Peruvian plateau of the Andes mountains. Yep. Uh, Incas. Uh, at Twalpa, I believe. Yeah, we would love to know that. That's actually kind of interesting. There's some yeah. weird bits in there that I'm like, I kind of want to know more about this and not Rand, but whatever. <laughs> here's the other. Here's the real issue with it, though. Those are some mighty white Quechua folks. And then later on, well, when I we're mean, in India, there are some mighty white folks in yeah. uh, Calcutta. So the I'm... only person of color who who looks like a person of color and not just, oh, you're blue-skinned, uh, you're purple-skinned. Like, the person who looks like a pers- an Earth person of color is on RAN as part of the delegation that meets them in, like, one issue right. from We're... all the different cultures of we'll RAN. Get, we'll get to that. Yep. Um... So, uh, be better comics. Yeah, and and to be fair, I was reading these in black and white. Yeah, couldn't so tell. You can't tell in that. So that yeah. thank you for pointing that out. I did not know that they had whitewashed um, a lot of the cultures. Extremely. That, that is super weird. And yep. again, uh, so yeah, what is it? Uh, South American. Yeah. South American Incan temple in Peru, Atualpa. At us, let us know if any of that is correct. We would love to know. Please do. We love learning things. Um. So. Adam Strange is teleported to Ran. He learns about the history of Ran itself from Sardath. And while him and Alana are kind of hitting it off and flirting, um, she's about to show him this city that temporarily every four years or some weird uh, arbitrary amount of time phases in and out of the dimension that Ran is on in the f- in, from the fourth dimension to this dimension. And it's just a city that they've just like accepted that this happens. And there are people that actually live in the city that are... Ranian, that this is their life. Every four years, they come back to Ran and they do stuff, and then they come back to the city and then they teleport out again. So she goes to show him the city, and then the planet actually becomes uh, under siege from people called the Eternals, not the Marvel Eternals. <laughs> I was trying to figure out where I'd heard that name before, and I knew it was one of the. It is definitely names. not the Marvel Eternals. Um, just some aliens that live within the DC universe referred to as the Eternals. The Eternals are attacking Rand because they are looking for uh, Vitatron, which is some sort of element that is the thing that is actually giving them their 
immortality, not invincibility, immortality. Please get it right. I cannot stress this enough. Immortality does not mean invincibility. Think elves from Lord of the Rings, not DBZ characters who say immortal. That is incorrect. Anyway, sorry, pet peeve of mine. <laughs> I don't uh, remember that. So they're looking for Vitatron, and they believe that there's a large quantity of it on Ran. Interestingly enough, Vitatron is what's making this like fourth dimensional city phase in and out on Ran. So they basically come up with a plan to lure the Eternals to that city and then have them get trapped there for the four years. And that's the plan. So everyone in the city kind of like evacuates and then they lure the Eternals. They get stuck there. The city phases out of existence and they're like, that's a solution to the problem. I'm like, what happens in four years when they come back? So I th I thought they said something about like the fuel source not being around. It wasn't well explained. But... Yeah, it's really hand wavy, which is very yeah. Gardner Fox. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to get so many gonna, fiat, there's, fiat yeah. uh, not time. There's a lot of Gardner Fox going on in this. It, more so, again, that's what makes this way more disappointing than Hawkman. Just because Hawkman, there was so much time and effort put into explaining things and world building and making, you know, A to B conclusions for a lot of stuff. And this is very much like, they're fucking science and shit. And you're like, why would you, come on, man, we know you can do better. Which mm -hmm. I'm wondering now that you pointed that out. I'm wondering if that's Julia Schwartz. I don't know. I don't know. Because he was also the editor for GL. Mm -hmm. And Green Lantern was not like that. Yeah. So... And uh, to clarify, these also aren't short stories. No, these like, are long. Uh, especially, like, the Showcase one, it's, as with all the Showcase one, it's a full issue uh, split into two stories. Yeah. And then when it shifts over to Mystery in Space, they're nine-page stories. These yeah. aren't short. Yeah, he's getting he's getting a full treatment. Like, we're not getting Martian Manhunter-level, like, six- to eight-page stories where it's all got to be wrapped up really quickly. This ain't backup. Yeah, these are, these are almost, like, the main event stories of each of these mags. So... He's they got, are. Yeah. Uh, they're the, uh, they're the each cover of the art. mystery in space is not just the cover art, but also that's the first story in yeah. there. All so the others are, are uh, like eight pagers. Yeah. So the Adam Strange stories are the main attraction and everything he shows up in. Um, so yeah, they remove the Eternals into this weird fourth dimensional city. And then Adam begins to fade away. So they explain that Adam got to Ran via zeta beam and this is something i probably should have explained a lot earlier but well here we are um so adam was teleported from peru to ran via zeta beam which is it, it was meant to be a communication beam that the ranians sent to earth to see if they could establish long-term contact between the two planets but due to the the beam of energy light what have you traveling through space it is bombarded by cosmic rays on its way to Earth. In doing so, it changes the properties of the beam, and instead of it being a communications array, it becomes a teleportation beam. And Adam was in the exact space that he needed to be, running from these natives that he was running from, and got teleported immediately to Ran. Now, he is bathed in that radiation, and when that radiation wears off of him, he immediately teleports back to Earth. So that's going to be the running gag for this entire series, is that he's got to do everything he can before he disappears off of Ran. So he disappears from Ran after they deal with the Eternals. The second story in Showcase number 17 is he comes back. When he gets there, there's a bunch of primitive civilization folks who are there that uh, apprehend him, and they teleport him to another location, which is, um, to their knowledge, just away 
in the Tower of the Rainbow Doom, which is on the Instagram, and I will never get over that name. Because um, <laughs> they think it's just this room. It's like basically like a planetarium light show room, and they think it's magic. And he gets he's in that room, and it teleports him to a Ranian colony on another planet. So he's at this other planet now, and Alana's there. She's like, oh, thank God. You know, I was worried that you, you know, uh, weren't going to make it the next time, you know, the Zeta Beams made it to Earth. Because Adam is now, like, doing math and calculations to figure out where exactly the Zeta Beam is going to hit so he can be there and teleport back to Rand to be with Alana. And she was like, I was worried you weren't going to get here. We were coming to this planet to check up on Iranian's, like, colony. And while we're here, it's now under attack and Adam must help them fend off the attackers who are using the most ineffective method of sieging I've ever seen. The colony is encased in this giant bubble and the attackers are using a diamond bladed pendulum scythe. Oh God, that's right. I forgot what that was. It's yeah, a pendulum. Yeah. It's a, it's a pendulum scythe. And they're just like hovering over the city, letting the scythe slowly carve into the dome. And it's like, this isn't effective at all. What are you doing? <laughs> but that's kind of how they do that. Adam beats them and then, of course, dissipates due to the radiation back to Earth. So that's just showcase number 17. Uh, showcase number 18, we're going to move a lot faster now because we had to establish all the world building of him disappearing, what Zeta Beam technology is, how he's finding this. Um, now we downshift. Yeah, now we downshift and we, we, get, we get going. So showcase number 18, January, February 1959. Happy New Year. Uh, Adam is shrunk down to molecular level where he... Uh, where some aliens who were at molecular level grew from, and then they took over Ran, and he must now get all the Ranians to fight them from their miniature size back up to their maxi size. Um, the second story in showcase number 18, Alana volunteers to send Adam Strange replica robots to a colon to a city-state that's very hostile on Ran, and in doing so, they uncover a plot from that city-state to attack Ranagar. So every time, every story literally starts with Adam Strange, somewhere on Earth, calculating when a Zeta Beam is going to hit, getting in place, hopefully without issue. Sometimes there's something in his way. Maybe there's a kid there. There's a cop. He has to get higher or something. Because in the second story of Showcase number 17, he gets the full outfit. The red and white suit with the fin hat thing and the jetpack. Yeah, it's very much, it looks like the Rocket Man outfit. And he gets a laser pistol and that's his whole outfit. That's the Adam Strange getup is the jetpack with the red and white suit and the gun. And he gets that in showcase number 17. And now he's basically like flying around in that suit on Earth, hoping nobody sees him and teleporting away ran every... It's very nebulous, the, dif the the time difference between when he can get there and when he can't. It's like sometimes it's four months, one time it's like a week, sometimes it's eight days. It doesn't really make any sense, which means to me that Ran isn't uniformly sending these Zeta, ba uh, Zeta beams to Earth. They're just kind of firing them off like willy-nilly, and it's just happening. So the impression I got was like it. there was a single cohesive beam that got like scattered and refracted on different timelines but it's uh it's it's some gardner fox science bullshit yeah my impression was that it was their attempts multiple times okay. to, to reach work. earth like it's just okay that attempt didn't work we're gonna try again another week after some you know calculation changes and we're gonna send another beam out like much like we do when we send out radio waves or contact like that to me is i thought that's what that was going on mm -hmm. but yours also could make sense it's like a scattered beam or whatever um because I figured it would be a lot harder for him to calculate if it was scattered, oh, if yeah, it no, wasn't uniform, 
horribly difficult. Right. So I figured Sardath was like, this is when we last sent them. And he just like remembered. And he's like, well, if that's how it happens in time and space and, I don't know, rotational Earth shit, here we go. So I don't know. But it's it's, I, there, I it's never really that. clear. I believe that. Yeah, it's never really clear. But Adam Strange is somehow also really good at that, along with his archaeology. Yeah, really. He's very much fiat intellectual. Someone mm. who can do everything, even though their specific field of study would not at all cover that specific thing that they need. And I'll even uh, I'll lean a little bit harder into the Indiana Jones comparison. Uh, I really like the little bit at the start of every issue where he has a little like a micro adventure before being tra- teleported to uh, yeah, those to are red. Uh, specifically the things that I like about them are that they're the most character-y moments. He's not just being stoic. He's actually like being, he's being cool. Yeah. And it's, it is that kind of cool, like that Indiana Jones has where it's, oh, you're going to, you're going to exotic locales and dealing with the natives. Uh, for instance, there's a point where, oh, a Zeta beam is going to hit, uh, in like a harbor, uh, uh, where there are a whole bunch of Thai uh, fishers and market, um, like markets on the water. I, I, there was a particular uh, name for it that I, yeah, like no, the, I, I know the what night market time. Mar- I don't remember, but one way or another, like okay, there's a whole bunch of people out here. So he like gets to a spot, makes sure everyone can see him, and takes a bunch of money and tosses it in the water. And all of the local Thai folks immediately dive underwater to get the coins. And then by the time they come up, he's been Zeta beamed away. And it's that kind of kind of it's very much that colonizer. Oh, I am white, I am the yeah. white guy. I'm here. I have some power. Let me dress up as like a native like grass spirit and dance for a while so that when I vanish. Uh, it helps the, it, it helps the ceremony for some yeah. reason Let, uh, i can do a rope trick where yeah. you climb a rope uh and then disappear yeah um the famous floating market in bangkok Ooh. is what it I, is if that if that actually exists and i assume it does uh, might have like at some point that sounds really cool yeah yeah i'm sure that it's a thing. and the uh one of the markets in uh, hong kong i would love to mm, go see yeah um but yes more to the point it adam strange is constantly doing a weird thing on earth and then teleporting to ran via zeta beam and that is how every adventure starts it's like a two to three page situation where he may or may not make the zeta beam and he's counting down three two one and then gets teleported and then the rest of it is just him on ran yeah and the weird thing is like with a like the first piece of a bookend like that you kind of expect it to be foreshadowing uh or something like that's the that's the children tv construction of oh you have something unrelated happen at school and that little lesson that you learn is going to pay off in the big quest no it's really unrelated it's really just the danger room cold open for him yeah it's just this is your guy this is his suit these are the things that he can do here we go we're going to alien places and it's like all right well that's what we're doing with our life i suppose um so we now move to showcase number 19, April 1959. An invader teleports Alana and Adam uh, to a different world to see if they can find him in uh, a shape-shifting challenge. Essentially, That's it's right. it's one of those rule of three things. You have three chances to guess if I am a creature that you find in this world. And if you do, I will leave your planet alone. I'm going to count body count one because he just straight up murders an animal to test one of the weapons that he's got. I forgot about That's that. That's super yeah. fucking weird to me. I was like, did you just kill an animal? Even though that was not the point of the game, like he had to touch 
a specific item to the animal, which would then revert the the villain back to his normal form. And I'm like, you just shot that. If that was him, you would never know now. There are some moments in this where, like, he's not doing the, oh, I kill all of my enemies thing. No, yeah, he doesn't. And his laser blast is usually like, oh, it's something that's either non-effective or, like, non-lethal. But there are also times where he is taking actions that, if you think about them logically, people, lots of people are dying. Yeah, he's... He's very fast and loose with his gun, but nothing ever comes of it. Yes. So it's Wolverine in the 1990s <laughs> uh, X-Men cartoon. His claws are always out, but he never actually cuts anything up except a robot. And in this instance, Wolverine in the 90s cartoon is to robots as Adam Strange is to animals. Yeah. He only ever really kills animals that have no characterization. Mm-hmm. So Well, at least directly yeah yeah um so we'll get to some shit <laughs> yeah the second story is uh, a living uh, the living adams a cad who is just a giant human-sized adam um like you know with the little molecule things and it's ridiculous um it's like a nucleus with those ri- like saturn ring radial things around it it's also it, it's a living atom it's just a it's a giant atom also for the record it's strange that i'm pretty sure like the rings are drawn as though they were rings yeah but all that actually is like in a, a, a diagram a, of an atom is like the where path the orbit, that electrons yeah. go yeah where the orbitals are yeah um so yeah he, uh this this living atom is a cad um lures Adam and Alana to learn the secret of teleportation because he sees that Adam can teleport via Zeta Beam and he wants Adam to explain it to him. And they don't, obviously, because otherwise it wouldn't make any sense. Um, And we now shift from Showcase, because I guess those three issues of Showcase really proved that people liked him, to Mystery in Space, number 53, August 1959. One thing I'm going to call out, though, uh, I think this is the first time we've seen something be in Showcase and work and not get their own yeah, book not get, in an entirety. Yeah. Because Flash and Green Lantern Aquaman got... Aquaman as well. Aquaman. Yeah, Aquaman gets his own book. He's and presumably... Just, like, I'll actually... We should check whether uh, whether this is the case. But I assume Aquaman gets the entire comic. Whereas here, it's Mystery in Space. Yeah, he's the headliner. But he's... A, the comic's been going for a while. Yeah. B, there are other comic or other stories in there. It's an anthology of uh, science fiction stories. Uh, so no recurring characters, no recurring stories other than Adam Strange. But yeah, he doesn't get an entire comic. Yeah, it's very weird. I mean, Aquaman also started in adventure comics. It was more fun comics in the in the Golden Age, and then he's adventure comics until he gets Aquaman, I believe. Um, for Aquaman, he does not get his own book. He He's in adventure comics until he is in Showcase. And then he just continues. So yeah, GL, okay, GL and Flash have their own books out of Showcase, and he doesn't get his own book yet. Not that we've seen. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Fair enough. But yes, All Adam. Gained. Yeah, Adam. Adam Strange is um, not getting his own book after appearing in Showcase, even though appearing quite successfully as he is the headliner in each issue. Um. So we are now at Mystery in Space, number 53, August 1959. A giant robot, uh, or multiple giant robots, are gifted to uh, Ran from the Gricks, or the Gurks. They're just another race of beings. And uh, it was in um, in exchange for auriculum, or, or a calcum, uh, mm-hmm. or, or a chocum, is depending on how you pronounce it. I think it's aur- auriculum, but I don't know. Um, O-R-I-C-H-A-L-K-U-M. 
So they it exchanged them for this uh, material that is on Ran. And uh, Vorkan, who is a guy who basically works on the robots, turns them all evil and tries to blame the people who gave the robots to them in the first place. And it's found out and Adam Strange uh, stops him. And I do want to call out, uh, I appreciated that they uh, subverted the trope or the way they were going. Because yeah. you might have noticed Grix is actually is spelled like a weird mangling of greeks yeah it's G-R-I-K-S. and he absolutely brings up the trojan horse and it's like oh these aliens are giving it to us oh no they went they went rogue it must have been a trojan horse and no it was just that the guy who uh yeah. was in charge of maintaining them took it over it's probably the best uh rug out from under you that gardner fox does yes. in these stories it's the best constructed like story structure satisfying story structure that we right. get out of this um, also, there's like a random like Ranian military man who works with Adam Strange in this. Oh who, yeah, I, th- I thought that that was, I thought going, he was going to come back, and he never did. Yeah, he just he shows yeah, or up or die horribly. Yeah, One he, of the two. He shows up and tries to like he because he thinks he's fallen for the for the bit, and he thinks the Gricks are responsible. And Adam's like, no, it's not them. And I was like, oh, is it him? Like he's using them as a scapegoat and like is trying to pin it on them. But no, it wasn't. It wasn't even him. It was some other dude. And I'm like, is that guy ever going to come back? Like, not that we see. Yeah, I was right there with you. I thought, oh, we're getting a supporting character. Yeah, we're, we're, we're we building. We really them. don't get much world building, which sucks. We, get, we don't get world building. We get geography. That's it. They they name and map and reuse similar locations frequently. The same oceans, the same forests, the same landmasses. I did notice that. Yeah, they reuse a lot of the same locations frequently. Like the Ocean of Fire is constantly mm-hmm. returned to, which is just I, a boiling huh. sea. I so guess I just was reading too quickly. And they they also have enough. weird names, and it's not hard to it's not easy to pick them out. They're all like a bunch of like consonants in one vowel at the start. <laughs> yeah, um, but they do they do reference a lot of locations. Um, Mystery in Space number uh, fifty four, September nineteen fifty nine. Invaders from beneath the surface of the world with guns that are like incredibly hot attack Ran, and they d- defeat them with guns that are really cold. And then yep. he's just like, go back underground. And they're like, all right, cool. So now there's just these people underground that live on Ran, as well as these robots on Ran. And it's very weird. Um, it, it is interesting to me that this this is an instance where we have a sci-fi character and a sci-fi setting. But there is as much going on on Ran as there is like on Earth. Yeah. There's just a lot of things happening. Um, and he never or rarely ever goes to a different planet. Yeah. Unless he's teleported there by an outside force. Uh, Mystery in Space number uh, 55, November 1959. Zardak. So Zardak is a giant, I want to say like iguana or lizard thing Mm -hmm. that is on this runaway planet that is out of its orbit that intercepts the path of the Zeta Beam. So when Adam Strange goes to get teleported to Ran, nothing happens and he doesn't know why. Eight days later, he goes to the next location and he gets teleported to Ran and... Alana's like, oh, thank God, I thought Zardak had killed you. And he's like, what is what is a Zardak? And she's like, that thing, as she points over the hill, and there's a giant lizard attacking Ranagar. And they find out that over the last eight days, no one ever thought to feed the giant creature. Yep. And in a very Godzilla of 2001, 2001 Godzilla movie move, they just pile a bunch of food in a location. And they just let the the giant lizard go over there and eat it. Is that how that movie ends? No, no, no. That's how they lure it away because that's how they're going to kill it. 
Okay. They they get like a load of fish. They put it in Central Park, or and then they they draw Godzilla to it. And as Godzilla's eating at it, they like try to shoot it a bunch, and it doesn't work. But that is just how that's a thing that happens in that movie. Um, so Zardak, it's really the story is kind of stupid because it's got this big lead up with Zardak, and then Zardak, much like Adam Strange, loses its uh, Zeta B radiation and then disappears. And then they don't use Zardak to fight off this invader. They thought that they were going to. And then Adam Strange just ends up fighting off this invader. It's this weird non sequitur of like half of the story where they're like, oh, wow, we're going to use this alien that they've got, that they've now fed and it's cool. And it's like, it's their friend. And then it goes away. And that was their whole plan to fight off this invader. And they had to come up with this other plan and it doesn't and that works just as well it was really stupid because it never went anywhere and it's not like a twist it's just like it wasn't oh we we were in the middle of executing the plan and then gone it's just oh shit zardak's gone yeah a lot of this feels like writing without or writing off the cuff or writing without a thought for structure garner fox is not always the best at structure although that being said He's been a lot better in other places. Yes, he has. Like JLA especially. JLA, Hawks were better just in Hawks general. Hawks were better, yeah. Uh, Mystery in Space, number 56, December 1959. Nimar, another giant atom. Completely and utterly not related to Zakad. Apparently there's just a species of giant atoms living out in the DC universe. So get buckle up for that, I suppose. Um <laughs> Nimar has the ability to control inanimate objects and form them into humanoid shapes to use as an army. And because he's a living atom and he's immortal, he's patient and wants to basically wear down Ranagar to conquer it um, through attrition. Adam Strange goes to fight him and realizes that um, he's just got to think about Nimar stopping and Nimar will. And it's like really anticlimactic where he's just like, I figured out that he works off of mental waves and whatever. And I just use mine and he stopped. And I was like, that's dumb. Uh, Mystery in Space, number 57, February 1960. Happy New Year. Giants! We can't escape them. They're everywhere. And now they're not just in the sky. They're on other planets. Um, It's just an issue where there's a planet on Ranagar that is, I guess, very similar to Old Faithful on Earth that they refer to as Old Reliable, where it's an island that sinks and rises with the yearly tides. And Alana's like, let's go check that thing out because you're an archaeologist and that has nothing to do with archaeology. And he's like, exactly. I'm not a geologist at all. Why would you think that those two fields are the same? And she's like, because I don't know things, even though I'm a scientist and I clearly am really intelligent. And I'm like, yeah, this seems like a good pair. And they go to this planet and there's giant footprints on this planet. And the giants are like, we have to destroy this world because it's got orichalcum on it and that's what's making us grow. And when we grow larger, it our lungs can't support the capacity of our body size. So the larger we grow, our future generations will die. And it's like really weird that one bringing back orichalcum, I suppose, from the Gricks, because that's that that of all the things the deep cut Gardner Fox wants to bring back in all these stories. So the orichalcum's on this planet, and they're like, we just want to destroy things because orichalcum's bad. And essentially, Adam shows them that with the island sinking due to their running on it and causing the tectonic plates to shift because i guess he's causing earthquakes um the giants are like oh my god the planet's sinking just like we thought it it should that was our whole plan let's leave and he's like thank god they were too stupid to figure out this island sinks and floats Uh, that's the end of the story Uh, it's the end of the story but i do want to point out like the the whole rationale of the giants was that if they didn't get rid of the oracalcum then they would be killed 
and their species would die out. If if they didn't get rid of the orichalcum on a planet that they don't live on. Yep. What? First off, science. No. Second yeah. off, does that mean that Adam Strange, by conniving them into not destroying the orichalcum... Has murdered an entire species? Yeah. He might have captain archered it. That's really... There's just so much happening in that issue yeah like, like alana one... alana and adam not understanding that just because i'm an archaeologist doesn't mean i i like like that's a really interesting phenomenon but that's not my field of study alana a geologist would probably be much more fascinated with this not that i don't find this interesting but i study civilizations not islands that sink and float <laughs> there's so much like fiat intellectual interest and a lot of stuff it's really weird and super bizarre and again it's like dude were these like your off day comics like you're so much better than this yeah. and we've seen that it's so weird i i would propose a new one instead of uh, fiat intellectual uh swiss army smarts i love it i love it i that's amazing swiss army smarts perfect uh so we're gonna go now to mystery in space number 58 march 1960 Hercules, Apollo, and Jupiter, the actual Roman figures of legend, show up on Ranagar and think that Ranagar is Olympia, the planet that they believe to be the, the home of the gods, the Roman gods. And Adam Strange has to convince them through shenanigans. Um, you know, just he beats them through silly, like, tricking things. And uh, says, like, this isn't Olympia. You need to leave. What was the last thing you remembered? And they're like, we were on a ship in suspended animation, flying to Olympia. And I'm like, there's a lot of questions here that nobody's asking. Like, were the gods, like the Roman gods, aliens? Did they have space-age technology? What is happening here? What is actually happening here? And it doesn't matter, because Adam Strange disappears later at the end of the, at the, end of the comic, right after he beats these guys, because the Zeta Beam radiation wears off, and we never find out what happens to them ever again. They just disappear off into the story. Presumably, Alana helps them get on a ship to go find Olympia. Done. Mystery in Space, number 59, May 1960. By the way, with the giant story, uh, Mystery in Space, 19, uh, number 57, February 1960, Happy New Year. Mystery in Space, number 59, May 1960. Avenar Barr, who is the deposed ruler of Ranagar, creates a giant version of Adam Strange, like a giant robot Adam Strange, and then uses it to kind of discredit him and take over Ranagar again, and it doesn't work clearly mystery in space number 60 july 1960 a scientist uh oh god this was stupid a a sentient radiation covered planet attacks ran so basically a small planetoid with giant tentacle arms probably the size of what i would presume to be the death star mm -hmm. um attacks ran and attempts to grab people and put people on it to live on it because it god, wants sorry. to have living organisms live on it but it doesn't understand that it's radioactive and killing everything that lives on it. So Adam Strange convinces it to make itself radioactively inert, which in turn will destroy its sentience so it can have inhabitants. Adam Strange kills a living planet. It might be worth looking at that one again. Um, so it was removing the brain from the body. And I, was it the brain, the mind portion of the planet that was? Yeah, it, it, oh, okay. It, it well, won't, there it you won't, go. Yeah. It won't enjoy people living on it. I think it says it's oh, like, I, well. in order to allow yeah. things to live on me, I must kill myself. It's like really 
I'm going to double check that, but I'm well, fairly but that's certain. When it's, that's when it's discussing it and when it's uh, trying to think it through before there's a solution proposed. Let so me, maybe it's Let me double check. It's momentary silence. Then the living planet speaks with untold sorrow in its, metal voice, in its mental voice. You are telling me that while I live, nothing else can live here with me. Alive, I destroy everything. Yet if I die, I cannot enjoy the companionship of other living things. Okay, this is weird. From the moment that the operation begins, there's no we never see anything again said by the planet. Uh, and the initial way the initial way that uh, the planet puts it forward is if I'm alive, then I'm I'll continue to be radioactive. And then Adam Strange says, but wait, we could do like uh, like a surgeon kind of thing of excise your dangerous uh, your radioactive brain for, yeah. or planetary mind portion from the inner uh, rest of your body. And doesn't say what that would mean. Yeah. It doesn't say, it's not clear whether the body of, whether the body and mind of the planet are just separated and they both continue to exist or like the planetary, the in, the planetary body is dead uh, because it's not attached to the brain uh, or if the brain is dead because it's not attached to the body. It's not clear. Yeah. He might very well have just killed the planet so that the planet could have life on it. Right. But it's I'm, I, due to bad the, writing. Bad writing. Due to the dubious nature of the surgical situation that occurred of a giant planet's consciousness to make it inert, where the planet itself says, if I am alive, therefore implying that it, it, it dies. I'm going to say Adam Strange convinces a, a planet to kill itself via surgery. Can we have a sorrowful dong? That sounded weird when I said it. Decide <laughs> now, for yourself now whether we to. Can. Now we can't, but we're gonna we're gonna ding that. <laughs> Decide for yourself whether to edit that out. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm gonna leave that in. But uh, <laughs> but we're gonna have we're gonna have a body count for that. I'm gonna say that's a body count. So, mystery in space number sixty one, August nineteen sixty. A sentient tornado uses like a robot dude facsimile creature God. man. To yeah. try and take over Ranagar, and they're like, oh, if we just shoot this tornado, it goes away. That's it. That's the story. Don't they end up killing the tornado? It is as I feared. Adam Strange discovered the way to defeat me. The tornado tyrant. Yeah, they kill the tornado tyrant. Um, So, uh, yeah, that's another one. Body count uh, three. He's up to five. Or no, he's up to three right now. Mystery in space number 62, September 1960. A bad guy makes a machine that creates pockets of prehistoric ran on the surface and just dinosaur things like get out and cause some mischief. And then Adam Strange finds him and stops him from being bad. Mystery in space number 63, November 1960. Uh, bad guys, uh, invaders from another world with vacuum weapons that essentially turn people God, into right. gaseous form and then puts them in a vacuum pack. Um, they attack Ran, and Adam Strange and Alana are put in one of the v vacuum packs. But this is really weird that I don't understand. When he's in the vacuum pack, the 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 Zeta beam radiation wears off, and he gets teleported back to Earth, not as not in a gaseous state, but as Adam Strange. So then he comes back to Ran to help them fight these guys, and they reuse the the weapons. Uh, no, no, yeah, they they fight these guys and take them out. But I was like. That doesn't make sense scientifically to me at all. Not that everything in this comic makes <laughs> sense scientifically, but that alone. I was like, he's in a gaseous state. How does the Zeta Beam radiation not just teleport a cloud of Adam Strange back to Earth? But, you know, the world may never know. Uh, Mystery in Space, number 64, December 1960. An ancient Ranian creature. Because 
Ran is full of weird ancient shit, apparently. This was a billion years ago on Ran. An ancient Ranian creature that was cast off from its society on a spaceship and sent out into the ether um, that is then bombarded by cosmic rays, which then turn it radioactive and it's teleported through time due to this wormhole, um, returns to Ran to try and conquer it with its new radiation powers. Adam Strange and Alana create a weapon that, like, turns things into lead to make them radioactively inert. And they test it on a bird first. They turn a bird into lead. That's a body count. You just killed a bird. That's terrible scientific testing. And then they turn the creature to lead and kill it. Body count two. He's up to five. Mystery in space number 65, February 1961. Happy New Year and the last story that we're going to cover. The Mechanomen are a race of robots that were built by another species that killed themselves in nuclear war and the Mechanomen who couldn't protect those people from themselves then come to Ran to protect the Ranians. They force disarmament on the Ranians and then the Ranians are invaded and the Mechanomen are like, don't worry, we got this, but their power runs out. And so... <laughs> Adam and Alana have to fight off the invaders using the weapons that the Mechanomen had confiscated. And that's the end of the story. <laughs> it's really stupid. It's like, what was the point of all of this lead up if they aren't going to be used? So These are not structurally satisfying stories. Yeah, it, 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 especially when the way that Adam deals with the invaders is a very hand-wavy reason. Because he like just takes one of the, the weapons off of the invader ships, straps it to the Mechanomen, like vehicles and then shoots it not like they use the mechanomen as like a guise for this real like they fool the the, the invaders into thinking the mechanomen are still working or something it's really dumb so one one thing i will say aside adam occasionally gets to spend time on ran before the adventure is up with alana maybe a handful of times and in those handful of times we see them genuinely dating flirting things like that now alana is actually an intelligent individual she builds a couple of things for adam that he needs for um you know objectives to be completed she is a scientist however she is very 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 much the damsel in distress in these stories um, occasionally she gets to do a good thing but for the rest of the time she is needing saving or there to tell adam to look out mm -hmm. or just around not the sidekick and not the partner but the she's well she, what is it uh, we were saying with uh inza she's mm -hmm. a plot device yes she yeah. she in of herself is a plot device where she dispenses information that's important for adam strange to know and to her credit like even though she does wind up being a damsel in distress a lot it's it's not like early robin where it's like uh-oh i did something dumb right uh, where it it's more, oh, we both went up against this thing and it overpowered. So it's she's not a wince, a cringeworthy character. There were moments though where I was like, that doesn't make any sense because she like she mm -hmm. did evolve into a cringeworthy character for me, where she would throw herself into Adam's arms and sob at how hopeless things were, or she'd be like, I'll I'll thank you with a big kiss, and I was like, you have never spoken like this in any of the issues previous to this. What are you doing? And then she kept doing that kind of a thing like when the last issues that we started reading and I was like, what is he doing? Like Gardner Fox, like evolved the character into being a much more like 
action hero girl in the sense of like you see the action hero on the cover and then there's that girl that's around his leg yep. she started yep. to evolve into that character and i didn't really like that at all i was like this is really stupid she's really intelligent she's doing all these things like there's a moment where adam's like you should stay here and she's like no i want to fight for my people in case you disappear because the zeta beam radiation could wear off at any moment so if this is a suicide mission that only you think you can do I should be in the ship with you. I was like, that was the coolest moment that Alana had. Yeah, that, was that was good. There's a, that's only one of the stories where she acts like that. And I was like, that's brilliant because she's smart. She understands how the Zeta beam radiation works and knows that Adam strange being the only reliable person on Rand is a bad move because he's hardly ever there. And when he disappears, it's very random. <laughs> like there's no, there's no effort on the part of Rand to be self-sufficient. Yeah. And the this time is absolutely like a white savior situation. Yeah. And the times that they become self-sufficient are due to plot-relevant uh, dilemmas. I.e. the giant robots that they're given by the Gricks, which then are used against them, or the Mechanomen, which disarm them and then make them weak. <laughs> there's, no, there's no, like, middle ground here. So I think that'll do for our summary. Do you have notes? I do, in fact, have notes. Where to start? Where to start? Oh! This one's a little entertaining. At one point uh, in Showcase 18, there's an alien race called the Vren. I think it's an alien race. And the name struck a chord with me. I'm like, mm, just Google it. Turns out that's because it's an alien species that's used in Old Man's War. Huh. So. Okay. Eh, turns out people reuse alien names intentionally or not. Why, why would they not? One thing. So we talked a little bit about how uh, the thing that gets continuity wise uh and built up over time is geography um uh, and one thing that we don't really see is like the world building of fantastic places fantastic things to populate those places as much we don't we never get the manhawks yeah god the manhawks were cool we get and, we get visitors from other worlds coming to this other world and we also never get like the we get a lore dump at the beginning we don't get like, oh, and here we introduce the Manhawks and, oh, let me tell you the story of the first time that I got, uh, when, how I got my wings and then how you and I were investigating uh, something in the years after the Manhawks. It doesn't feel like there's a like strata of uh, world building. It We get the lore dump at the beginning. But one thing that I do, I do kind of like as part of the history of Ran, the thousand years ago, the nuclear war, and, oh, we rebuilt as city-states. I do kind of like the idea of city-states because then, first off, we've had, like, world governments in pretty much everything else we've looked at. Yeah. Uh, Green Lantern stuff, I don't think it's ever felt like there were multiple nations. Uh uh, Thanagar is a world government, or if nothing else, there's no distinction drawn of, oh, there are different nations or such. Yeah. Uh, I like the storytelling options that city-states give, because there are times where it's like, oh, there's the rival city-state, and you don't have to deal with another alien species. It's just like, no, this is just random. Yeah, we just have that in one. Going back a couple steps, at one point we talked about uh, how sci how it's not science. Yeah. <laughs> What's interesting is that, like, not only is it not science, but there's no, like, encyclopedia uh, Ranica in yeah. the sense of, like, he's got, especially in the first couple issues, he's got, like, gravity bubble gun, uh, yeah. which they don't ever take the time 
to talk about, oh, here's a, like his arsenal doesn't come back. Like he winds up just ending up with the, the ray gun. It's the only thing he consistently uses. Right. But B, they also don't detail, oh, here's how this piece of technology works. Not even, not from the sense of like fake science, uh, Trekno babble of here's how it works, but also like just a, oh, rogues powers do this uh right or like or, we don't we don't get a sense of like oh this this science means that this happens we don't get the page one of superman of he can jump uh, because uh he grew up on a high gravity planet he can jump so much further etc etc or like even with the hawks you had the um the anti-gravity wings yep you know and the the coated eye slits on their masks that prevent mm -hmm. them from having this problem like little things that literally all it had to do was just like Give it a give it a fake reason for working. The science that we get is we get the title of the article and then the body of the text is just blank. Yeah. And then the big one that I want to talk a little bit about is narration boxes. Oh yeah. Yep. So there's a lot of narration boxes, and there's a lot kind of across the board, but especially reading this, just saying everything from like, oh, this is how he reacts to this phase of a conversation, to this happens in the scene, that's literally just narrating what you yeah. see in the action, uh, to a lot of transition, uh, and now they're flying off to this location, which those make a little more sense, but... I took a random issue, uh, mystery number 62, and 32 of 44 panels had narration. Three of nine pages had a narration box in every panel, and that's not counting the splash page at the beginning. Yikes. Good lord. So, I wound up doing a little bit of digging, and I compared... Let's see. So I had two showcase uh, issues for of Green Lantern stuff uh, and looking at actually individual stories rather than uh, issues. Uh, so some Green Lantern, a Hawkman story, a Superman story, and uh, that one uh, mystery in space uh, story. So just comparing a uh, number of narration boxes, what type they were, and just how does that compare to the total number of pa uh, panels. And... Gardner Fox does definitely do more narration than any other comics that we've read. And remember, small sample size. I'm only looking at five stories, so mileage may vary. Uh, statistical significance, not the best. But uh, the Hawkman and Adam Strange stories, both written by Gardner Fox, were at about 73% of panels having a narration box. First off, it's a lot of reading in a visual medium. Yep. That's what slows you down. That's that's kind of what we're what he's getting at here. Yep. Uh, comp for comparison, the Superman story was at sixty six percent, which was still higher than I thought. Showcase uh, Green Lantern stories mid fifties, uh, and those were also longer stories uh, because they were the two stories per issue. Let them they have space to breathe. So maybe there's some of that, but and also different styles. And other thing that was really interesting. There's an astonishing amount of scene changes. Uh, about 1 to 1.5 scene changes per page. Wow. Uh, each of them coming with a little narration box. And there are a couple times where it's like, oh, you might have two different scene transitions on a page. Uh, if it's like, oh, we, we go here and we learn this thing and we go there. And then we confront the boss kind of thing. But 
there are an astonishing amount of times where they'll switch between and feel like, and they'll say stuff about it. Huh. There'll also be a lot of times where it's like transition to we're putting on our gear and then transition to we're flying away kind of stuff. But fundamentally, like we're in an era where there are a metric shit ton of narration boxes, but Gardner Fox is above and beyond even for that. Yeah. Uh, for, for reference, uh, Everybody loves Shawshank Redemption. Uh, m- most people love Shawshank Redemption. And it is, in to some degree, infuriating when you're trying to teach a class about how to write movies because it's so much voiceover. Yeah. And you should not do... You should try to minimize voiceover if you're writing or crafting a movie. Same deal, honestly. To a degree, same deal with comics. Uh, but yeah, that's... Pretty much uh, does it for me on notes. Do you have recommendations or any closing thoughts? Uh, I Adam? I do have a recommendation um, for those of you who um, follow the video game scene. Red Dead Redemption Two is coming out soon. Holy shit! Is it actually soon? October. Like if you haven't seen the trailer for it, oh my god, it's incredible! It looks amazing. I cannot wait to play it. You have like companionship with your horse. The hunting mechanic is completely overhauled. Hmm. Um, the fighting mechanic, like the actual fist fight brawling is different too now. Like they made that an entire mechanic now. Um, it looks amazing and I cannot wait to play it. If you haven't played the first game, play Red Dead Redemption if you were able to get it. It's essentially playing a Coen Brothers movie. And this is probably the best Western game that is that has ever been made. So on my end... Uh... Many of you have probably already listened to Hamilton, but I just recently, uh, my girlfriend and I went down to the aquarium on Tuesday, and on the way there and back, uh, we listened, and I I hadn't listened because with a lot of rock operas in the past, uh, I haven't been able to follow the action just listening to it. I needed to have like, oh, like here's what's going on, here's the lyrics as well, uh, and especially like hip-hop, I'm not always great at uh, catching the lyrics uh, the good news is, however, uh, this was written to be very clear and easy to understand what's going on, basically just from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, so, hooray. And it was fucking amazing. Both really good deliveries and interesting time period and also really good heart. Like, I, I underestimated how much certain songs would impact me. And they did. And I love Aaron Burr's songs. Uh, his stuff... The songs where he gets to be solo are just melancholy, and I very much enjoy them. Nice. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us for this episode. Next episode, we're going to be looking at the challengers of the unknown. Yes. So we're going to look at the challengers of the unknown. Kirby? I, th- I believe so, yeah. Kirby. Uh, Kirby Art. We're going to look at that. We might do some more Superman to catch up because we ended at 59 with Superman and not 61 like everybody else. But... Once we do that, we go back to the JLA, we move our yardstick, and we continue to catch everyone back up again, GL, Flash, Wonder Woman, Um, and then, since we'll be in the 1962-63, we might look at people like Will Magnus and the Metal Men, the Doom Patrol, and maybe looking at, depending on who shows up, the Elongated Man. Good. So, we have plans, we're moving forward, we're looking at some great stuff. And uh, we hope to see you all next time. DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and DCDetectivesPodcast.com. 
After seeing off the invaders, Strange walked us through the gardens of Ranagar, talking through his adventures as we jotted down notes. Strange's visits to Ran were short, so he wasn't able to tell us much about the world beyond geography, nothing like the vivid history we'd been given of Thanagar. But still, the adventures were enjoyable at least, even if not thrilling. And with that, we could feel the power of the Zeta Beam start to fade, and with it, Ran disappeared around us. Earth, in our next case, we're calling. <laughs>